Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students. Hello, I'm Andy. And I'm Hamid. And welcome to The Common Rounds today. Today we've moved on to osteoarthritis, one of the biggest topics in... Uh, bigger topics in... Um, Sorry, uh, in the MSK. MSK? Yeah. yeah. And um, so what we're going to go through today is we're going to go through what is osteoarthritis, how is it caused, who gets affected by it, um, what are some of the risk factors, what would it look like, investigations, and treatments. Some of the treatment options, yeah. Yeah. So um, as we always do, let's define what this condition is. So what is osteoarthritis? Osteoarthritis is also known as a degenerative joint disease. And so previously we thought it was a wear and tear of the joint, but it's a bit more complicated than that. It's characterized by degeneration of the cartilage in particular, where you start to lose structure and function of this uh, particular synovial joint. That's right, yeah. Mm. So it's predominantly a disease of the cartilage, isn't it? Mm. But there's also some um, potentially chondrocyte dysfunction and uh, environmental factors like stress that are key contributing factors. Mm. But broadly speaking, we have two types of um, osteoarthritis, idiopathic or primary, mm-hmm. and secondary. Do you want to maybe go through idiopathic? Definitely. So with idiopathic or the primary osteoarthritis, it seems to be thought of as an aging phenomenon where there is no apparent initiating cause to it. Usually it's oligoarticular, so affecting only a, a few joints. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. And with secondary causes, as the name suggests, there's probably known factors like Mm. Um, patients that have joint deformity that causes undue stress on a particular joint mm. are more likely to develop this condition. Mm. Conditions like um, sporting injuries as well, where there's an actual identifiable stress on the um, mm. on the joints due to their sporting activities. Okay. Or patients that have systemic disorders like um, hemochromatosis, where you get iron de- depositing in the joints, yep. which we've mentioned in our GI talks, I think. Yes. And also conditions like diabetes as well um, mm. might might be um, some known causes. Before we talk about some of the treatment options and some of the risk factors, let's talk about the pathogenesis of it because I think it's really interesting. Because um, yep. when I was learning about it, I thought it was, like you mentioned, purely degenerative. But there are some inflammatory aspects to this condition as well. Yeah. So how does it all happen? So the lesions in osteoarthritis, they start from a degeneration of the cartilage. And this is quite important to remember. So it's from the cartilage and there is a disordered particular um, disordered repair of that cartilage that leads on Mm. to what we eventually find out as the the joint destruction. So the first step is probably involving some sort of chondrocyte injury that could be possibly genetic or a biochemical sort of factor, but that triggers off a subsequent inflammatory um, process, doesn't it? It does, yeah. So what happens then? So like you mentioned, there's some sort of chondrocyte abnormality. And so you have this, you you broadly divide the pathogenesis into an early feature Mm -hmm. or a late feature. Yeah. I'll talk about the early first. Yeah. So when you talk about early, you get some sort of cartilage dysfunction. Then you get um, chondrocytes that proliferate. Because remember, chondrocytes are important for making collagen. Yes. And so they proliferate. um, They release um, inflammatory markers. They release collagen, proteoglycans, which are components of um, collagen or or cartilage, sorry. Mm. And also they unfortunately release proteases, which um, uh, activate this destruction again. So, you know, you're synthesizing, but you're also destroying as well. And and some of the markers that are released can also lead to secondary inflammatory changes as well, Mm. which um, then instigates the next aspect or the um, the subsequent aspects of this disorder yeah but what, what happens is that you that initial activity of proteases causes um lots of some of those horizontally arranged collagen so type 2 fibers mm-hmm. and um that starts to lead to fissures in the col- um, cartilage so instead of it being a smooth surface you're going to get these tiny fissures and cracking mm. 
So this probably continues for a number of years. And then eventually you go into this late stage of osteoarthritis. Do you want to go mm. through that? Yeah. So from this point on, I, what I picture is that, you know, you start to have, as Hamid said, the cartilage starts to crack. And eventually you're going to wear out lots of this collagen and cartilages that you start to expose bone underneath. So um, one of the things that happens is that cartilage, portions of the cartilage can be sloughed off and they start to dislodge and um and form loose bodies within the synovial fluid, mm-hmm. which is one of the things we can see. Um, another thing that you will find is that the exposed subchondral bone or the bone that's underneath the cartilage becomes the new articular surface because they don't have the protective covering. And so that means when two pieces of the bone in a joint uh, articulate they rub bone against bone which kind of polishes it um, into a polished ivory kind of look and so that's another feature you'll Mm. find in it Um, another thing that could happen is that now that the articulating bone is now um, is now exposed you can have fractures that occur in there and also the fractures may allow gaps which synovial fluid can enter in and create uh, what is called a uh, subchondral cyst to form. And then also another thing you can find on that particular bone is that you might see osteophytes or bony outgrowths developing at the margins of the articular surface. Maybe I I suspect is due to uh, stress on the area. But so, yeah, you can see that once you've lost that cartilage, a whole myriad of different symptoms occur because of that. Yeah, exactly. And I think Mm -hmm. osteophyte formation occurs to improve bone stability because, you know, the cartilages are really important for ensuring really mm. nice fit of the bones onto the surface of each other yeah and so when you lose that the bones become in, unstable and so osteophytes these bony outgrowths mm. can help try to improve stability but that also causes rigidity doesn't it because mm. the bone isn't as flexible as a i guess you're right yeah, cartilage. yeah. Mm. so um when you're looking at patients who are suspected to have osteoarthritis what are some of their um, characteristics is it this these are the young disease of the old Mm. Does this prevalence change depending on age? Well, depending on like, so in in general, it is an increased prevalence with increased age. So around about 85% of 80-year-olds have osteoarthritis, whereas only about 30% of people have it in their early 30s or Mm. so. Um, But also depending on whether a secondary osteoarthritis does occur in a younger population compared to a primary osteoarthritis as well. And mm. in terms of risk factors for it, um, there are some environmental risk factors like aging, mm. um, your occupation or, um, you know, sporting injury, like any condition that can cause biomechanical stress as well. Yes. There are some genes implicated, but I think there's, they're numerous and I, I don't think we'll mention any, any specific ones. Yeah. So once you have understand the patient demographics, what are some of the signs and symptoms that patients can present with? What are mm. some of the signs, perhaps? Well, from the signs that you can observe from on a patient, you will notice that they have joint line tenderness. So it's around the joint line that's specifically where, where the patient does mm. seem to find the pain. Um, you can also see bony enlargements of the affective joints or possibly, possibly the osteophytes that, that are occurring. Uh, malalignment of the joints. You can also see find a limited range of motion or you can also feel crepitus on passive range of motions so that's a cracking isn't it yes yeah um, on passive movement yeah. and then you can also some in some cases you might notice inflammation occurring and also uh, periarticular muscle atrophy so muscle at, uh, so wasting around the particular joint um, in terms of symptoms patients will report or could report is possibly joint pain with motion and relieving with rest so 
so you know as long as they don't move the particular affected joint then you know it doesn't hurt as much um short uh, it's probably it goes away with uh, after a period of time of immobility um possible joint instability or joint locking as well in the particular um joint locking and that i think that's possibly because of the cartilage that is actually dislodged and floating around in the synovial fluid called a joint mouse that causes the joint locking yeah Mm. that's right um so it's interesting you mentioned so the joint unlike rheumatoid where the joint mobility improves with movement this is the opposite the joint mobility gets worse so that's another Mm. key feature of distinguishing it Mm -mm -mm. and it predominantly affects joints like um the knee the hip the spine, particularly lumbar and cervical, where they, you know that's a lot of force, mm-hmm. um, particularly lumbar, they experience a lot of mechanical stress. Mm. Joints of the hand may be affected as well, so distal interpharyngeal joints, proximal interpharyngeal joints, and the thumb bones as well. Yeah. Um, so it can affect a number of joints, yep. but they tend to be the bigger, more weight-bearing joints that are of uh, importance to us. Yes. So um, once you've you know understood the signs and symptoms, are there any investigations that you can run to support your diagnosis? Mm. And from what I understand is there's two main uh, routes of investigation. So one is that you would do a radiographic uh, imaging where you will look for hallmarks of osteoarthritis. That could be joint space narrowing. There could be subchondral cysts, which we've mentioned. Um, osteophytes that you can find and also signs of subchondral sclerosis. So I, I believe that might be just changes an appearance of um, the subchondral bone. Looks, yeah, mm. looks more um, There are also blood works, but what would you look for? When it comes to blood and MSK, you're really ruling out rheumatoid factors. So you're looking at, uh, it's unlikely for it to be rheumatoid based on the presentation, but you still want to rule it out. So you want to look mm. at um, yeah, ESR, so um, erythrocyte sedimentation rate, CRP, rheumatoid factors, anti-nuclear antibodies are important as well. Yep. And you might also do a synovial aspiration to make sure that it's not a... Um, you know, a gout or another cause, which we'll talk about in a future episode. So once you've done that and you've come to a diagnosis of osteoarthritis, you've got some pharmacological and non-pharmacological treatment approaches. Mm. There are some surgical interventions as well. Um, mm. Although there are some, some of the evidence for some of the surgical interventions like arthroscopies are a little bit shaky. Okay. But let's talk about non-pharmacological approaches first. Okay. So biomechanical stress is a huge factor. So, and one of the huge factors for um, stress onto a joint is possibly the weight. If the patient is overweight, weight loss can be beneficial for it. And physiotherapy can also be another modality of treatment that if, as long as you promote low-impact exercise programs or swimming or hydrotherapy, get the patient moving around, I think that would be beneficial for them. You can also get occupational therapists to help the patient get around and also use aids when they're doing uh, acts of daily living yeah. um, because they will have possible... Um, problems using their joints especially in the hands so you need somebody to help them out with that exactly yeah Mm. so in terms of drug therapy there isn't really much you can offer aside from symptomatic approaches so giving Mm. paracetamol regularly um and NSAIDs if you use paracetamol more regularly which is the drug of choice Mm. then it spares uh, minimizes the reliance on NSAIDs obviously prolonged NSAIDs isn't the most ideal approach given Mm. its gastrointestinal side effects and uh, potential effects on blood pressure in an elderly population yeah there are some evidence possibly for the use of glu- glucosamine and, chondrit- and chondroitin. So mm. the idea is that you absorb the substances which are important for cartilage formation. Yes. And so you're then supporting the formation of cartilage. But I don't think the evidence is quite out there. Mm. You might give, if there are signs of inflammation, you might give um, uh, inter-articular um, corticosteroids. 
but evidence again isn't the best and mm. topical treatments like NSAIDs may be of some use and capsaicin as well. Mm. What about surgical treatments? Um, so what you can do is possibly joint debridement. Um, so or you could do a total or partial joint replacement mm. just to you know fix up that poor articulation and you might as well just replace the whole the whole um, yeah. joint to fix up that that problem. Um, and I think that's ultimately the best approach to actually remove the the issue yeah as opposed to treating with NSAIDs for Mm. a prolonged period of time yeah um do you have anything else to add um not really I guess I guess that's osteoarthritis in 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 probably 20 minutes yeah Um, (laughs) so thanks for tuning in guys and we'll catch up with you in our next episode yep thank you for joining our episode today was put together by our executive producer Gautam and our co-editor Cindy for notes elective experiences and much more study resources visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.